0: On today's Locked on Thunder podcast, we're joined by Clemente Almanza of the Norman Transcript and Thunderwire.com to discuss the Oklahoma City Thunder season to this point and the expectation level for them moving forward. Plus, is SGA the number one option? Is Josh Giddy's hot streak for real? And what's the ceiling on Jalen Williams? And how does Chet Holmgren fit into all of this? All that and more coming up on today's Locked on Thunder podcast. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. Follow the show on Twitter at Pod On today's show, brought to you by our good friends over at LinkedIn. We're going to dive into the Oklahoma City Thunder season to this point. Jalen Williams is sealing Josh Giddy's nice stretch. And will the Thunder make the playoffs this season? Find out on today's show, which is brought to you by our good friends over at LinkedIn. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to you faster. Post your draft for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. Clemente, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today?
2: I uh, appreciate it, Rylan. Um, really, really excited to be on. for sure to talk some Thunder hoops.
0: So Clemente, I want to ask you to describe this Thunder season. Let's say that there's an NBA fan out there that has not turned on to an NBA game or NBA content since the draft. How would you describe this season to them?
2: Oh, man, I, I feel like this word's been overused a lot, but I feel like the funder are, like, over-exceeding their expectations. Um, I think most betting sites heading into the season had the funder at, what, 23, 23 and a half wins, somewhere around that range. And, like, they're likely going to eclipse that before the all-star break. Um like you can make a really good argument, too, that well, they, they, they've they had some bad luck in some of these close games. I think they're 11-17 and 17, um, in clutches of situations, uh, which is, like, one of the worst records in the league right now. Um, so if I had, like, a little bit more luck than that, then they could probably be fighting for a top five seed, considering just how packed the Western Conference is right now. Um, and, you know, if you open up the hood of the car, I think they're 12th in, like, adjusting that rating and, like... 12th and adjusted margin of victory. So, like, all, all of these, while well, the 24-25 record is nice, you can really make a strong argument that um, it could probably be better.
0: They are losing a lot of games late in just the nature of being a young team. And, and by losing a lot of games late, I just mean that they're really, really competitive. So, like, every single night can go either way. As Chet Holmgren said, you know, they're winning games by four, losing games by four. And he's just got to come in next year and make the team five points better. We'll have more on Holmgren later on. But coming into the year, the media nationally was down on the thunder. I mean, John Hollinger predicted 20 wins. What was your expectations whenever this season started in Minnesota?
2: Oh, man, I didn't didn't have them winning 20 games, but honestly I was kind of expecting something along the lines of the last couple of seasons where they're probably in the 20s in terms of wins. Um, But, yeah, I mean – I know, like, the Thunder fans like to give national media a lot of crap for, like, what their expectations were. But, like, even locally, even, like, a lot of, like, people we know also had the Thunder, like, in, in, the, in the 20s. And, like, I don't really think that many people had them competing for a play-in, playoff spot in January.
0: Yeah, I don't think anyone had them being this good. Uh, for me, it was more so this team is going to be better than last year's team. Like, so if you put yourself back in into October mode, at that time, I thought this team's going to be better than last year. Like They're going to play basketball a lot better. They're going to compete a lot harder. They're going to uh, raise their level of production. But the Western Conference is an absolute bloodbath, and they're not going to get the reward for it. Like They're going to be playing a lot better, but they might only win 26 games, which is still a two-game improvement, but it's not this quantum leap in terms of win improvement That we're seeing right now, potentially, if they continue down this road. And they've shocked the world, obviously. They're one win away from matching their win total last year. And whenever this next win comes to make them at 24, they are playing really good basketball. I don't think anyone expected them to play this good, but I expected them to play a more complete game of basketball where you just lose games late because you're a young team and that's what young teams do. But the Thunder have avoided that, despite being the youngest team in the NBA and the second youngest team of all time, only ahead of last year's squad. So... A lot of the reason for this has been Shea and Shea's explosion into superstardom, into being a 30-point-per-game scorer. We saw this after the All-Star break last year. Now we've seen this for a half a season this year. Is this just who Shea is at this point?
2: Yeah, I think it's pretty sad because the way he's scoring 30 points is pretty efficient. I mean, he's doing a lot of it again to the line. Um, he's finding ways to get to the basket with these um uh, the way he drives to the basket is like the complete polar opposite of the way russell westbrook did where it's not as much af- uh, athletic explosiveness it's more like trying to finesse your way in and like I, I think that play style is like a lot more sustainable for not just this season but like for the rest of his career um i'm assuming he's not going to be like uh i think shooting like 60 percent true shooting i'm, I'm assuming that's going to eventually come down but like just the way he's getting to the basket and the way he's drawing fouls and all of this stuff. I mean, that's, that's definitely a sustainable skill. Um, but like it's just, it's just, I, I know most Thunder fans like us in the media as well has, have become numb to it. But the fact that Shay's averaging like over 30 points on like such high efficiency as a guard is it's, it's wild.
0: Yeah, Shea has been awesome, and, and I think that this is just who he is because we have seen a, quite a large sample size of it, and as you mentioned, it's all sustainable, it's all repeatable. It's not as though he's shooting 45% from three, where when we know that's just not going to sustain itself for Shea. He's hitting tough mid-range shots. He's getting to the rim and finishing through contact, finishing over defenders. He's able to, like you said, finesse his way to the rim and keep the defense guessing on, on k Will this be the step-back mid-range? Will this be the drive to the rack? Will this be something, you know, stopping a dime at the nail and shoot it from the free throw line? Like, how is he going to attack us this time? He's also getting better as a playmaker, as a ball handler, as a passer, which then puts even more pressure on the defense. And as the roster around him gets better, it puts even more pressure on the defense. And I think that Shea will still get better. I think that Shea is not done growing himself. But even if you want to take a more cynical view and say he is done growing, then he still... We'll see his production uptick just by putting more guys around him like Isaiah Joe who can shoot. Now, now you can't just go find Isaiah Joe's out on the street, although you did find that that's where you found Isaiah Joe. Uh, guys that shoot 45% from three and everything. But you're seeing in games like last night where Shay's driving and the defender is just caught in the middle. Do I do I go collapse and double team Shea? Which we should do. That's kind of the only way to stop him, or even attempt to contain him but I then can't leave this three point shooter because he'll kick it out to him for three. And then we're doomed either way. And so you got to pick your poison and Shea will make you pay no matter what you pick. So I think that this is all very sustainable for Shea and there's nothing that leaps out as, Oh, that's going to come down. Maybe the efficiency comes down a tick, but even that, I mean, he's proven throughout his entire career, he's a very efficient player. He's never been an inefficient player. And I think that he's really calculated in his movements and really calculated in his shot selection that helped him get to that point. It's been awesome to watch him thrive coming up. Let's talk about Jaden Williams out of Santa Clara. And let's talk about a similar hot streak, only on a smaller sample size, for Josh Giddy over these last 24 games dating back to December. Uh, we'll talk about all that coming up. But first, I want to say right now, my good friends, over at LinkedIn. LinkedIn is incredible. You should go there right now and post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash lockdown. They are there for you. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more effectively by matching your open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experience that you want to achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your online jobs. But with targeting tools, you can go beyond resume data by using insights from your job posts from your company and using over their 875 million profiles that they have on their website and get your job posted front and center for the most qualified candidates, identify the most qualified candidates at LinkedIn jobs and connect with them fast and easy all in one place. LinkedIn jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based upon their job qualifications. It is why small businesses rank LinkedIn. Number one in delivering qualified candidates versus leading competitors, LinkedIn jobs helps you find qualified candidates, but to talk to you faster Post your job for free at LinkedInJobs.com slash LockedOnNBA. NBA. That's LinkedInJobs.com LockedOnNBA. NBA. Terms and conditions do apply to post your job for free at LinkedInJobs.com slash LockedOnNBA.
1: The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Clemente, we're back talking Thunder basketball. Thanks for joining us again, Clemente, and let's talk Jaden. Now, We've seen j have kind of a broad spectrum of, of, of games this year. One-point games where he's not scoring. We've seen him go for 14 points in one half, then, then not go for any in the next half, or vice versa. And we've seen him play very complete games like he did against Atlanta. For you, what is the ceiling that you would say j can reach? Like, what do you think his potential is in the NBA?
2: Well, I man, I think his absolute ceiling is probably an all-star. And I know that might sound a little biased coming from me, but like, even Kenneth Williams said to himself during training camp that he thinks j has all-star potential. Um, in terms of, like, average outcome, I think it's safe to say that he's going to be probably a very high-end starter for the team. But, you know, like you said, Jalen Williams has been great. Um, he's been a really good finisher around the rim. I think he's, like, in the 91st percentile among wings um, and rim finishing, at least according to um, cleaning the glass. Like uh, We saw a little bit of that last night where I think he had, like, five ducks and, like, And like the loudest crowd reactions at the game were from Jado's dunks, um, and like kind of like with Shea, like I I don't really see why like none of these skills can sustain. Um, and it it feels like you know eventually once his three point shots starts to come down, which I think most of us can agree is gonna eventually start hitting. Um, it's it's gonna open like a whole new level, whole new level to uh, his scoring game.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I think that Jalen Williams' three pointer will eventually fall because I, I feel the same way I did. Uh, about Jeremiah Robson Earl last year. Like Jerry's three-point shot last year was not where you would have expected it to be, but it eventually started falling this year at a much higher clip uh, in terms of like in general because this guy can shoot. Like Jeremy showed in college he can shoot. It's going to eventually fall down and especially get better than like 32%, which is what he's at right now on cleaning the glass. It'll be better than that, and then you mentioned it, 89 percentile at the rim shooting 73% at the cup this season is very good for him. I think that JW will be an all-star caliber player. Like I, I feel very confident in him being an all-star caliber player. And again, I, I stress, I just mean what level of production he's giving you. Not that he's ever even an all-star in OKC, because let's face it, it's, it's a popularity contest at times. And if this team is as good as we think that they're going to be in the future, SGA is an all-star. Chet Holmgren has the edge in popularity and production you know, in terms of like expectation level to where he'll be voted into an all-star game. And you've got to be extraordinary to get three guys into the all-star game. So he might not ever make the all-star game, but he'll be playing at that level. Similarly to what Shea did last year and the year before, where he was playing at an all-star level. He just couldn't get into the game. I think that it'll be that similar uh, state for Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara.
2: Now, yeah. go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, um, Mark Daniels talked about this a little bit, but he kind of wants uh, Jada to be a little more aggressive with his shot, um, and I think we all kind of want to see that too. I feel like he plays he plays upon the flow of the offense, but like um, if, if if he was more a little bit more selfish and a little bit more aggressive with his shot, then I feel like that should definitely you know um, increase his chances um, as a, a potential All Star. Um, maybe not this season, but like you know maybe once he starts to develop more a little bit and in the upcoming seasons, I could definitely see, I could definitely see a case where Jay J-dubs has a strong all-star uh, campaign.
0: Let's shift over to Josh Giddy. He's on a incredible hot streak since December 1st. He's only 20 years old. So this is, you know, it's a small sample size in the, in the grand scheme of the NBA. When you talk about a 20 year old, that's a pretty large sample size, especially a 20 year old who didn't play that many games last year because of the hip injury, because of uh, just injuries in general in his rookie year. What do you think of Josh Giddy over these last 20 games? You know, I think it's up to 24 games now where he's played really well. Uh, what, what do you think about Josh Giddy in this stretch? Has there been anything in this stretch that you that is kind of eye-popping like, wow, I didn't expect that? And what is your future outlook on Josh Giddy?
2: Well, I think, you know, the easy one, the easy things to go to with Josh Giddy over the last what uh six weeks is the fact that he's Going to the cup a lot more often, um, and he's not really scared of contact as he was last season. I think he mentioned a couple of weeks ago that he's not settling for floaters or anything like that, like he did last season. And he's more about you know breathing his way to the basket. That's definitely sustainable, especially you know once Josh starts to gain more muscles and he grows into his body. Like you said, he's only twenty years old. Um, I think he's gained. I think he gained like ten pounds between uh, last season to this season. Um, so I definitely don't see why that shouldn't be sustainable. Uh, the outside shooting, I'm not, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think he's been like one of the better free point shooters, um, on the team, even though it's been like a low efficiency. Um, I'm sure, you know, once I think that will eventually come down, like most free point shooting seasons do, it's very up and down. Um, but I just, I, I don't see why, you know, the aggressiveness can't stay up. And, like, even if Josh is shooting, is in the shooting slump, I still think, you know, he should probably play through that. Um, And I I think he certainly agrees with just some of his comments that he said after games where, um, you know, he's starting to learn to trust his shot more often and um, to just, you know, use his body, use his size to his advantage when it comes to scoring um, at the basket.
0: I agree. I think that Josh Goody's like, very sustainable in in what he's doing over these last 20-something games, 24 games, however you want to look at it. And he has so many ways to impact the game. that You saw in Atlanta two for nine in the first half, and we were all collectively saying, "Ah, oh, he just doesn't have it tonight. Like, this is just not his night. And then the second half rolls around, and Josh Giddy is able to hit another gear and shoot 60% on 12 points and really help this Thunder team claw back and have a shot to win at the end. Now, that was largely thanks to Josh Giddey's uh, performance of getting out of that slump, despite uh, not having it in general with a shooting touch in the first half of yesterday's game. Now, I understand that we don't really grade coaches into the playoffs. Like it's just something where they hardly ever even get discussed until they've played a playoff series and and coached a playoff series. We don't even really take notice to what they're doing until then, but there have been some things you can pick up on with Mark to this point. Like, I think that you can pick up on the fact that I believe it's his preference to allow the young players in his star players to just play through the moment instead of calling timeouts and, and taking over despite his really good ATO actions that he draws up. And despite Josh Skiddy being an elite rebound uh, elite inbounder, Mark prefers that Shea has the ball and just goes and and works it out like he did in Miami, like he tried to do last night in Atlanta and he's hit game winners off of it as well. Uh, they've done it both ways where they've gotten the side outs to get game winners against Portland. And then they've gotten the, the opportunities to the game winner against Miami, which didn't rattle home with SGA not having uh, the timeout call. And he gets to just push the pace up the floor and, and kind of settle for that step back three. I think you can pick up on little tidbits like that about Mark and how he'll coach. I think that the kind of messaging that he's sending to the team is all very translated, translated to the team and they're buying into it. How would you grade Mark so far in his career? Now, obviously the win loss record is not going to be where, you know, you would want it to be just because of the nature of what this team was looking like over the last two years. So for getting wins and losses, what letter grade would you give Mark just as a basketball coach right now?
2: Oh man, I think it's pretty easy to give him an A with the job he's done. Um, I know as cliche as it sounds, like relationships is probably like the most important factor um, when it comes to coaching in the NBA or any professional league um, for that matter. And just, you know, over the over the years, we've seen just players glowingly talk about Mark Dagnall uh, and just how great of a coach he is, how great of a communicator he is and all this other stuff. So um, the fact that he has that down, plus the fact that, you know, like you mentioned, he's a great, um ATO coach um and the fact that he's open to the advanced analytic ideas I think he's shared a couple of stories about how he's not like the most savvy guy when it comes to advanced analytics but he's willing to listen to the staff when it comes to that and implement that into his game plan Um, all those things coming together I mean I think Mark Dana easily gets an A for me
0: yeah to me I think that he's the best coach in Thunder history which is, is a relatively low bar to clear because I, I think that we can all agree Scott Brooks was not a great head coach. Billy Donovan did not have a great career as a head coach and isn't still having success in Chicago. And then P.J. Carlesimo just had no shot uh, at all to be good in OKC. He was just bad. Like, he just made some bad decisions uh, to, in his OKC career and dating back to Seattle, obviously. Um, with Mark, I just think that everything that we've seen from him, you know, coaching defense and, and getting defensive production, putting guys in position to win – getting the buy-in from the rest of the roster for, and, and from his, his young guys and his stars and the relationship he's building and also just his strategies. Like I love the fact that he doesn't take guys out of the game over there and foul show because it doesn't, I mean, at that point, you just foul the guy out yourself. You just take him out of the game and he can't play. So there's not really any difference in, in that. So I like that a lot from Mark. I think that he's going to be somebody that pops on the big stage. Like I would compare him to a Nick Nurse or compare him to a Taylor Jenkins where whenever it is that he gets to coach in the playoffs – then all of a sudden the national media will start crowning him as one of the best coaches in the NBA, even though we're seeing the groundwork of all of that night in and night out in OKC. So I really am excited about the future of the Thunder, both on the sidelines and on the court.
2: Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Mark handles expectations. I mean, we see, us, we see this all the time where some coaches are built for rebuilds while other coaches are built for winning. Um, Mark's done a great job so far. And like you said, it's kind of hard to hold the team's record against him up until this point. But it's going to be interesting to see how he manages. Um, I don't want to say Eagles, but like, you know, once these guys start to develop and all that, and, you know, the, the accolades start to, start to pile up, um, it's going to be interesting to see, see how Mark manages those relationships as they evolve from, you know, these young players trying to make it into the league to these, these established veterans who have the skins on the wall.
0: Clemente, I want to tell you about our good friends over at FanDuel because they are the best sportsbook partner, and we're so happy that they are our new sports betting partner at On because they're the number one sportsbook in America. FanDuel is incredible. It's better than ever, and they have great options for you to make sports betting fun and easy. New customers, join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just sign up at FanDuel.com. FanDuel has all your favorite bets From the money line to the point spread to the player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. And, Clemente, I'm sure that you know this. It's conference championship week in the NFL. So I'm going to put you on the spot right now. And I want you to tell me who's going to win between the Chiefs and the Bengals. The Chiefs are now swung back to the favorites, minus one at home.
2: Rylan, since I like you, I gotta go Kansas City, man. I want, I want, I want to be. Uh, I want that to happen for you, so you can celebrate them going to to what their third Super Bowl in the Mahomes era. Yep,
0: yeah, third Super Bowl, fifth conference championship. It's been a lot of fun in Kansas City recently. Yeah. I uh, hate to rub it in, considering how your Cowboys have done recently. <laughs> but
2: yeah, you're a little spoiled, Rylan. Um, must
0: be nice <laughs> it's very nice Get you a patrick mahomes if you can i highly recommend it and also i highly recommend going to fan.com slash lockdown
1: the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: We're back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day we're here for you. Check out the Game to Game podcast next up. It's a recap of the association in 15 minutes or less. So go check that out today. And Clemente, we're going to continue on talking about this Thunder team. Do you think, I'm going to, you have to say yes or no. Don't, don't cop out. Do you think that this Thunder team will play in at least one game after their regular season finale? Will they make the playoffs?
2: Oh, man. I think so. I mean, if, like I said, if you look at their, peripherals like they're top but they're a top 12 team on both ends of the floor and usually when you're a top 12 team on both ends of the floor you usually make the playoffs at least and like i think they have like the easiest strength of schedule left in the, in the entire league so um i know i know it might be a little far fish to say but like if i had to like put a percentages um in terms of whether or not the funder make the play out the very least, i'm leaning towards like 75 percent yes 25 percent no
0: I agree. I, I, think that, I think that the way that I phrase the question of like playing at least one game after the regular season finale, I, I think that those percentages are spot on. And you could even argue that they're higher than that uh, to play at least in a play-in game. Uh, now, if you want to talk about getting to the playoffs and surviving the play-in tournament or just leaping up out of it entirely, then those percentages might change a bit for us. But in terms of just playing in the play-in at least, I think that they're going to do it. I think that they're going to make the play-in tournament. And with that being said... That, of course, will get people excited, and as these games continue to stack on top of each other, we hope that people will go out to the arena more, support this team more, get excited more about this organization, get excited more about this roster, and if, you, if they don't, you are going to call them out on Twitter. What do you think about next year's team? As the expectations start to rise, how do you think that Chet Holmgren fits into this core?
2: I mean, I think he fits in perfectly. I mean, if you just look at how the, how the funder played this season, I think it's, uh, they have a very glaring, obvious need and that's at center and, and protecting the rim and having a, a legit true rim protector and, like, all of those things, plus the fact that, you know, check and shoot it from outside, he can create his own shot off the dribble, all of those things literally describe him over Um So I, I think he fits perfectly um, with what the funder are missing right now. And um, I just wouldn't be surprised if the funder are, are in the – 45-ish win club next season just based off of Chet coming back. Um, especially if, there, if we have another year next year where the Western Conference is as stacked is, as it is and it is like all these teams hovering around 500. I think there's only like four teams in the West right now who are more than one game above 500. Um, if that repeats next season, then the bunch should definitely be be fighting for home court advantage in the first round.
0: I, I, I totally agree that Chet Holmgren you know, kind of fits seamlessly within this team. And obviously he's going to be very excited about playing basketball again, because he's a heavy competitor. I want to ask you for you, your opinion on the team's glaring weakness. What do they have to get better at moving forward in terms of like the future of this team, not, not necessarily like tomorrow, but like moving forward. If you're in that GM chair, what is an area that you want to improve this team with moving forward?
2: Oh, man. Well, it's a little bit of a cop-out answer. And, like, I think everybody has said this one time or another regarding the Thunder, but, like, it, it, they really got to improve their outside shooting. And they got to get, like, good shooting. For th- Not only do they have to get guys who can shoot the ball, but they need guys who other defenses are going to respect and close out on. Because, like you mentioned earlier, if that happens, that's going to open up the lanes. for someone like Shea, who's a very drive-heavy player, I think this is, like – I think he's leading the league in drives again. And if, and if that's – and if he finishes – number one it seems like it's the third straight season now where he finishes with most drives per game Um, so you really got to build around that for sure Um, and if you surround him with like guys who not only can shoot from free but also uh, command space and command respect from opposing defenses and that's just going to make his game super easy and just increase the ceiling and floor for the funder so
0: I want to ask you on the flip side of that coin What's an area that you think that you've noticed that's kind of a sneaky, hey, the Thunder are really good at this, but no one's really talking about it. They're not getting enough respect for how good they are at this.
2: Oh, man. I just think everybody's ability – I think – I just think everybody's ability or mostly everybody's ability to to play make a bit. Um, we've been seeing it since, you know, since the beginning of December. Just the Thunder have been playing – have been one of the best offenses in the league. They've been scoring points at will, And a lot of the nights they're averaging with like what? They're shooting, they're, they're, they're adding up like what, 20 assists a game, 30 assist nights. Like, it, it's just crazy. I think the other night they had like a franchise record 41 assists on 47 made baskets. Yep. Um, so just everybody's ability to really play, make, and, and be able to pass the ball out. I, I think, you know, that's just not something that, you know, not a whole ton of people are talking about at least not on a national level. It kind of feels like the national level is kind of thinking that it's just Shea and a bunch of guys, but like, it's really, it's really everybody. Um, um, and, and Shay and Josh Peter just ca- catalyst for that.
0: Clemente, I want to know from you: When should the Thunder make a move to kind of uh, continue to to build on this roster? When when will they make a move that that we immediately text each other after we see the woes notification, just in in total disbelief that it's happened? When is that kind of move going to be happening? Is it going to be? In the summer, next summer, three summers from now, like if you had to guess, when's the next time we're shocked by a move?
2: I'll probably look for, I'll probably expect something in the summer 2024. I know, I know some groups of fans want something to happen right now before this upcoming trade deadline, but I just think that's way too soon. It would be, I told you this earlier, but like it's like throwing a paper airplane at the funders' uh, house of cards in terms of like the roster build. Cause if you trade for someone like, I think the hot name right now is O.D. Ananobi. If you trade for someone like him, um, not only are you going to have to like pay up uh, relatively soon and probably pay him north of thirty million a season, but you're also potentially hurting the development of guys and playing time of guys like Uzman Yang or J-Dub. Um, and like, I just think something, a trade happening this season, it just feels like people want to trade just, just for the sake of making a trade. But um, with that said... I'll probably wait until next summer. Once you read, once you figure out like, all right, which of these guys are going to be part of the next core. Um, this, this off season is probably a little bit too soon for me because they're going to be adding someone for the lottery. I'm assuming. Um, but like, yeah, the, the perfect time to sweet spot fall would probably be summer 2024.
0: Clemente, you're right on the money. I think because I, the, the thunder just cannot draft all four 2024 20, first round picks. And so I think that they're either going to use them to move up in this year's draft in 2023, which is more re- renowned of a draft class, more of a of a draft class that people really like inside the NBA the, versus the next draft class, which people are kind of low on right now. Uh, but, of course, those guys could obviously have huge growth spurts and huge player spurts where they become more uh, likable names. But as of right now, everything's all in on 2023's draft, and the 24th draft is kind of underwhelming. Uh, some people say that like, there's not even going to be like a – top three guy in your organization and all of the class next year, which uh, might be a bit extreme. So I think that, you know, you the, the thing that you might see this summer is they might package some of those picks and move up in the draft. But I think that that's the extent of it. I think that's something that's just overwhelming. would have to wait till next summer or beyond for the Thunder to do as they see how Chet Holmgren plays, as they see kind of what this team lacks once they're fully healthy. Now let's get out of here on a very fun note. You know, this season back in person, totally not on the Zooms or anything like that. So it's a lot of fun for us young guys who have not been able to do that um, in our careers yet, but now we have, what is your favorite game so far? this year? Like, What is the game that stands out to you the most? Cause I have a clear cut number one, but I think you can make an argument for a lot of different games.
2: Oh um, man, it's gotta be either the Celtics or Grizzlies game, right? I mean, just the atmosphere at those games, it was, it was just surreal real scene, the Thunder. I, I think they were all about both Shane and Josh and both of those games. Um, and just to see them not only, you know, win, but like blow blow out two of the best teams in the league at home and just seeing the crowd get into it. It was those those are definitely two of those two of the games that have stood out to me the most so far from all the home games I've attended this season. It was just it was just a very surreal moment just being in the atmosphere. Yeah,
0: you know, I think if that is a good place to to stop and start because it ties back to the beginning. This team is just playing so much better than expected and so much better than they have been in recent years where I had a clear-cut number one that you didn't even reference, and you referenced two different games. Like for me, the, the number one was that Portland game where Dame broke the record, Shea hits the game winner, and it's just like you were just immersed within NBA history all in one game, and it just felt so surreal to be a part of. But that also wasn't the answer that Michael uh, Martin gave us for Monday's podcast. So like it, it's, it's just, it's awesome to see how many of these games, you can argue, is the best game that's happened. And whenever you have the case for five, six, seven best games of the season, that means you're stacking quality game for quality game for quality game on each other, and it's fun to watch, it's fun to be a part of, and it'll lead to more wins, more team success down the line as well, including within this season. They're a win away from matching their win total of last year, and we're only halfway through the season, not even at the All-Star break yet. So, Clemente, thanks for joining us. Let them know where they can find you on Twitter and all the, on all the work that you do.
2: Yeah, um you can follow me on Twitter. Um my at C Almanza one zero zero seven. But I'm pretty sure if you just search my name Clemente, which is felt like the baseball player that I'm like literally the top name. So that's an easy way to find me. Um in terms of like my work, uh you can follow my work at basically OKC I basically write most of the articles there. Um and then I also cover the fund a fun bit for the Norman transcript. Um, and, you know, I also do a little podcast on the site as well called Breakdown Breakdown. So, you know, if you want to give that a listen, uh, I would definitely appreciate that. But, um, yeah, thank, thank you for having me, Ryland. This was super fun.
0: Thanks for joining us in Clemente. I'll see you tonight against the Cavs. We'll be back after that game's over with to recap the game on for Saturday's podcast and then get you set for another five-show week, including after every single game here on On Thunder. Until tomorrow after the game, be good and be good to one another.